It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitch. Today we are re- or, I'm sorry, previewing the Kansas State game. Man, this is it could be so ugly that maybe I already want to be past it. But uh, to help me do that, the the preview of this game, I have Ryan Gilbert of GoPowerCat.com and also the 10 of 12 podcast joining me. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Are we previewing or post game? What is this? You got me all mixed up well, now. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's going to be a preview because the game actually hasn't happened yet. But I, I get the <laughs> feeling that after, you know, knowing what's probably coming after we get done with this with this chat here, I'm probably going to wish that the game was already over and we could just be talking about how bad it was. So, um, but you know, I, I do want to kind of talk because the beginning of the season looked like it was probably about as bad as it could get. You know, Kansas state came out very flat against Arkansas state um, and really kind of had problems there. How, how much was, or were Kansas state fans or, or you specifically worried after that particular game? Uh, me personally, I, I thought the season was over. I thought there was no chance, you know, that that K-State would have even a shot to uh, have a winning record, you know, in the Big 12. But uh, that was a game that, you know, I think they lost it by three or four points. And quite honestly, they should have lost it by uh, two or three touchdowns. I mean, Arkansas State, um, I think they're actually in action here this week. Um, they're on Thursday. But, uh, you know, they're a, a decent team, I think, that they played probably their best game um, of the season against Kansas State. They've kind of been uh, going down ever since, but they've got, a, you know, Adams is a great wide receiver for them, and, and, and A.J. Parker was trying to guard him. It wasn't working out. Now Parker's playing um, some linebacker for K-State. He's more comfortable there. Um, but I, there's no excuse or anything for a loss like that, but Kansas State was kind of bugged with COVID there. Um, I mean, every team is, so it certainly isn't an excuse, but they were losing um, some key players in that game. Um, Skylar Thompson didn't play well. He was not um, really a leader. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about him and Will Howard here uh, later on in the show. But uh, he, you know, he improved after that game for sure. But that Arkansas State game was one of his worst um, as a Kansas State Wildcat. It wasn't a pretty game. Um, I can't believe uh, we're, we're talking about a 3-0 and K-State team that has a chance to 
I mean, not to knock Kansas or West Virginia, but legitimately be 5-0 and um, if they can win two semi-winnable games, right, and set up yourself with a date with Oklahoma State. So I'm certainly surprised, didn't expect this to be the case whatsoever. Um, you know, I, honestly, I think it was a good thing for Kansas State to get that loss out of the way. Um, you know, it's, it's your wake-up call. They're more motivated. I think we can all tell that this team kind of cares a little bit more. Um, and people kind of wrote them off. I was one of those people. I'm guilty. I'll say it. You know, I didn't think they were going to be good at all after that loss. So they've came back. They've played well over the last three games in the Big 12, and uh, they're 3-0. and Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think – I actually was, was talking with Thor Nystrom um, a few weeks back, and, and he was talking about just how, how um, – apparent it was for any school that you know was playing their first game against a school that had already played so remember that Arkansas State had actually opened their season against Memphis the week before even Mm -hmm. though they lost that game like they got very valuable experience that really kind of helped them against a team that while Kansas State you know was definitely or was 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 more talented should have been favored in that game they weren't like the, the difference in talent level was not so drastic that the extra week of preparation, the extra week of actual game time, um, you know, wasn't a huge advantage for Arkansas State there. And so, you know, it, it's one of those things like, yeah, they, they, they probably should have won that game if you're looking at this on paper and that was both team season openers, but it wasn't. And so Kansas State really kind of was behind the eight ball on that. And, you know, that actually happened quite a bit for all of the, the, the big 12 teams that played Sunbelt teams. And so, you know, it, while it's it's not enough of an excuse, you know, to really say, oh, well, don't worry about it. It's at least enough of a reason to understand why the game was even as close as it should have been or as it was even closer than it should have been and allowed Arkansas State an opportunity to, to pull that upset. So um, that being said, like it looked like Kansas State was getting ready to kind of go off the rails and, and have that <laughs> horrible season that you were talking about. And then they scored a miraculous comeback. I mean, I can't think of any other way to, to describe it against Oklahoma, where the Oklahoma, the, the, the Oklahoma offense just completely fell apart and the defense gave up basically anything that Kansas State wanted them to for them to storm back in the fourth quarter there and win that game. I was, I was actually um, moving back to Kansas, and I was on the road listening to that game on the radio, and I just could not believe the fact that Kansas State came all the way back. Do you think that was more of Oklahoma completely falling apart or Kansas State really kind of putting something together and, and using that to build some momentum going into the next weeks? As much as I'd want to give K-State credit for that win, Oklahoma was definitely the team that um, put on cruise control, um, you know, got a little too complacent with that three-touchdown lead, I think, in the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, K-State made the plays. Deuce Vaughn was big. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about him as well. You know, they made the necessary plays to set themselves up for success and win the game. But, you know, Oklahoma just – and I don't blame them. I mean, they they beat out Missouri State by, you know, 50 points or something their first game. They were up by 21 points in the fourth quarter against K-State. I mean, they were expecting to just ride it out to victory. So, uh, you know, that, that, last, that loss is on Oklahoma. Um, obviously, Oklahoma is not as good as they've been in the past. Um, the COVID, I, of course, it had some sort of an impact on that. But uh, we saw them against Iowa State. We saw them barely squeaking by Texas, which was a great game, the Red River rivalry. But if those were two, you know, Baylor, West Virginia, were, were, those two teams were playing that game and you swap the names on the front of the jersey, you know, everyone would forget about it a week later. So, I mean, Oklahoma's right. just they're, – they're just not that good this year. And that's, they're okay. I think Spencer Rattler's got a, a great chance to grow. I've been very critical on him. Um, but I, I think moving forward, he's showing me <laughs> some signs of, of flashiness and optimism. 
Um, you know, you look at a guy like Sam Ellinger, he's, he's really frustrating me watching him struggle, um, which I know the offense is doing well, but, you know, they're what one and two now in the Big 12. They should be 0-3. So, um, also, with the point earlier that you mentioned, I, I thought it was, you know, during the pandemic, we're talking March, April, May, June, when we were kind of had nothing to talk about, you know, within the sports, you know, world. So we, we always harp on, at least I would, I would say, hey, when these games against, you know, the Arkansas States come up, um, that's when you find out who used their off season and took, you know, advantage of it. And this is not a knock on K-State, Iowa State, Kansas. Um, but, I mean, let's be real. If they were more prepared, they had a full, what, six months or so to get their bodies prepared, lifting weights, um, getting the schematics down on Zoom, in the film room, at the coaches. Um, so I, you, you bring up a great point with that as well. You know, it, the losses, you know, you, you've, you can't use it as much of an excuse, um, even though you kind of can because the other team had a game in front of them. But you know what? It's, it's the COVID times. Anything can happen. But uh, there's definitely, you know, a win. A, a win's a win. But, uh, you know, I think uh, sadly at the end of the day here, once this season is all said and done, you're going to have one team who calls themselves the real national champions, and then you're going to have every other team that calls them the national champions with an asterisk and says, hey, this was the COVID year. It wasn't really that, you know, a legitimate season. So it, it, it's weird. It's, it's definitely odd. But, uh, you know, having that, that game prior for those Sunbelt schools definitely gave them enough. Yeah, it definitely did give them kind of a, a little bit of an advantage. And actually, most of those Sunbelt schools also actually had some spring practices as well, um, mm-hmm. which a lot of Big 12 schools didn't. And, I mean, that, that was the other thing that really kind of came through in my conversation with Thor was that, you know, they, uh, they, they really benefited from having spring practices. Um, and having games before all the Big 12 teams. But I, I don't want to focus on, on the non-conference. I do kind of want to talk about this Kansas State team because, you know, obviously some things have changed. Coming into the year, Skylar Thompson was expected to lead this team, um, and, you know, and, and really kind of help define what this offense is going to be. He is now out for the season. Um, you know, before we get into what they look like now, how much do you think that this offense changes going from Skylar Thompson, um, you know, to the, to the new quarterback that they have? And, and I'm sorry, I completely forgot his name. <laughs> it, Will Howard. <laughs> He's only there a go. freshman, so I don't blame you for it. But uh, the, I don't think the offense changes a, a ton. The schematics, the playbook, the minutia, I don't think necessarily changes a lot. Um, Chris Kleiman said in his press conferences, you know, a week or two back, that uh, Will Howard's playbook is, is the exact same as Carter Thompson's, which I, I don't buy that. I mean, obviously, Thompson's got a lot more plays than his arsenal and a redshirt freshman, but I mean, at the end of the day, um, they're going to be a little bit more conservative, I believe, and that we've kind of saw the proof in the pudding um, against TCU in the second half of that Texas Tech game, that they're not going to, they'll occasionally throw the deep ball, but that's not going to be um, their offense. It's going to be first and 10, second and seven, third and three, and then try to pick up that first down. You know, that that's kind of that Bill Snyder chipping away, you know, football that, that we're probably going to see with, with Will Howard under center. Um, I think you're, you you kind of have a dilemma through the K-State coaching staff. He's a true freshman in the Big 12 going up against, you know, the I mean, I guess not the best defenses, but the Big 12 doesn't get enough credit for their defenses. You know, um, it, you, you've got a dilemma here. You can't just tell him to throw it deep and, and make these tough plays. But at the end of the day, I mean, if, you, if you're too conservative, if you're, if you're just throwing dink and dunk passes, it's probably not going to win you a game keeping up with those Big 12 offenses. So um, we've seen their – They've been more conservative, no doubt about that. Um, you've got to get Deuce Vaughn involved. You've got to get 
Riley Moore involved on those short passes and, and let them run in the open field if you want to have some success with, with a red shirt, uh, I guess a true freshman, pardon me, quarterback under center. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, I've never been a big fan of what Skylar Thompson does. He just does not really jump out to me as a guy that's going to be super successful in the Big 12 for whatever reason. I actually think that this helps him a little bit because from what I've seen, um, you know, it seems like the new quarterback is, is a little bit more athletic, is going to be able to, once he settles in and understands and, you know, has that game time um, experience there, is going to be able to execute what they want to do, I think, a little bit better. It's just a matter of building that rapport, building, you know, that that knowledge base and that experience, being able to look at what's in front of him and decide how he needs to, you know, make the play actually happen. Uh, I will be I will be interested to see if he can actually go ahead and do that and how long it's going to take him to develop. But, um, you know, I, I do think that this sets them up a whole lot better for the long term, especially to give you know Howard that that jump to to start learning and start doing that when you've got a defense that is performing fairly well. And the rest of the offense, it seems to be doing just enough to really kind of push them forward. Um, you know, I, I do think that it's much better for something like this to happen now in the season when they were playing, you know, that stretch of Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas, and then West Virginia, all teams where, you know, the offenses really are not that great. And, and so it gives him an opportunity to kind of ease in and not have to be the guy before you get into the, the harder games here. Um, but the, you know, the one guy that, that you're talking about, like the one weapon, I think that Kansas state has on offense, Deuce Vaughn, um, how, how big is he for this team and who else do they have like around him that they can, that they can lean on so that he's not trying to be the entire offense for this team. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn's been, he's been the man. I mean, no doubt about that. I, I if K-State doesn't have Deuce Vaughn, they're probably 0-4 right now, maybe 1-3. I mean, he's he's literally been the difference maker in, in pretty much every single one of their wins. Um, I, you know, Malik Knowles, who's I would say probably so he's supposed to be the wide receiver one for this team, and he hasn't been this year. He's not been on the same page. Uh, we don't really know what's going on. If it's injuries, if it's off the field issues, if it's you know this or that, we don't know. But he hadn't been there. There's no doubt, uh, no doubt about that. So he needs to get going first and foremost. I mean, that's just if that's right there that has to happen um joshua youngblood a lot of hype around his name he's he uh, ended up transferring uh, last week so that i mean that's a big loss especially in the special teams game um he he hadn't had much of an impact this season but i mean last season there was just a lot of you know um there was a lot of hype around his name and he didn't live up to it and he let the uh, the attention get to his head a little bit so you're you're, you're pretty much turning here to, to briley moore like i mentioned um, as Deuce's second, you know, the, someone who can take the weight off of his shoulders, you know, that's the guy. Um, you know, he's he actually he's known Skylar Thompson for, um, I believe, his whole life, or at least high school. They played, you know, they've, they've played together in the past. So they had a good connection. That's kind of why he transferred here from Northern Iowa. And, and now, ironically, Thompson's out for the year. So uh, he, he's definitely a, a difference maker, I, I think. But Deuce Vaughn's definitely the guy. Um, but, I mean, probably guys you've never heard of, Andy. Um, you know, you've got, uh, um, I'm, I'm even blanking on their name, Terry Trotter. I guess he's a running back. You've got uh, Seth Porter, who's probably going to see some time at receiver, uh, DJ Render, Landry Weber, these guys who are, you know, coming into the season. You're, these are like seven, like the seventh on the depth chart as far as receiver goes, you know, and now they're, they're going to be getting minutes against Kansas. Um, just shows you how thin things are at the wideout position. That's definitely, apart from the O-line, um, K-State needs 
um, some wideouts to step up. I, I do think that, you know, with these guys you've never heard of, they're not going to go run down the field on a fly route and, and catch a, you know, a deep ball. They're going to gain you a five or you know, four yards on a, on a reception and, and do the plays you need to, to make to win. So I think this, in a way, could, it could benefit K-State if they want to go the conservative route like we were talking about earlier. If they want to do that, you've got the guys who really can't do anything else other than, you know, get open a few yards off the line of scrimmage. So um, at the end of the day, obviously it hurts to not have young blood. It hurts to not have Knowles the way he's capable of, you know, performing. But uh, Deuce Vaughn, is, is de- he's definitely the guy. Bradley Moore is, is number two. And there's a, a very big drop-off after those two guys. So someone's going to have to step up. You can't just have two weapons on the offensive side of the football because, you know, I don't know if KU will do it. I don't know if West Virginia will do it. But some team down the line is going to crack that code and say, hey, we stopped, we stopped Deuce Vaughn. We're going to win this game, you know. So see what happens. But, you know, Deuce Vaughn needs some help. There's no doubt about that. You can't keep giving him the ball as a true freshman. His confidence is going to get rattled. Um, each and every time you give him the football, that's more wear and tear on his body. So somebody is definitely going to have to step up and help him out. Yeah, it makes me wonder because, you know, Kansas actually had a fairly good defensive performance last week against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, West Virginia is kind of in a similar situation where they don't have a lot of receivers who, who can make big, flashy plays. You know, there's some questions about the quarterback and Deggy. Um, They really had Leedy Brown, who, you know, was like the main weapon. And Kansas did a fairly good job of bottling him up before they just wore out because the Kansas offense wasn't doing anything against West Virginia. You know, how much how much worry is there that especially with, you know, Will Howard trying to kind of break him in, that they're not going to be, you know, uh, I guess, dynamic enough to prevent Kansas from just teeing off on Deuce Vaughn. Like, I, I, I you know, I realize it's kind of a, a joke to think that based off of what Kansas has done so far, just looking at their stats, that this defense is, has, you know, any kind of teeth to it. But it seemed like they held up really, really well and got some really early turnovers and like really seemed to have the game going in their direction until the Kansas offense was just completely anemic and couldn't help them out. So, like, how, how much worry is there after this last week, you know, that that if they're too one-dimensional behind Deuce Vaughn, that Kansas is actually going to be able to stop them for a good portion of this game? I, I'm with you, Andy. I, I, watching that West Virginia game, Kansas's defense was, you know, they were not bad. They were probably middle of the pack from what I was watching on TV, and you know, in regards to the Big 12. They were an average, you know, Big 12 defense. So, um, I think that's definitely got to raise some eyebrows if you're a K-State fan. I mean, pretty much everyone I know is, is writing this game off on, on Saturday. But I, I'm not I, – I'm certainly not. I mean, I think K-State's going to struggle. I think Howard's going to struggle. Um, and I, I don't even think that that's KU, who, who, you know, West Virginia, TCU, whoever they're playing, I think Howard's going to continue to have these growing pains. And, and like you mentioned, man, you gotta you got to cover Deuce Vaughn. Um, the KU offense, though, I don't, you know, not to be you know, bashing on them or anything, but it was just, <laughs> right, right. It was abysmal, man. The O line, just, I mean, I'm not, I, I want to blame, you know, Kendrick, but then at the same time, it was like, I mean, he had what half a second before pressure was getting to him because his O line couldn't hold up, and you know, I, I think K State's going to have to win this game, you know, um, with their defense because you, you got to hold KU to as little points as, as possible. I think that's kind of viable to do. Um, but the, I certainly, you know, I'm, I'm with you. The, the, the KU defense impressed me. Um, so I, I'm not saying that they're going to go out and, and win the game or anything like that. But I think they're going to they're going to do enough to keep the offense in the game. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't see the Kansas offense doing much. 
um, especially without Puka. And I, I mistake, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Puka was actually he wasn't the leading, the leading rusher, was he? Uh, no, he was not actually. Felton yeah, Gardner so, is the yeah. leading rusher by like 25 yards. So I mean, yeah, so they, they people want to say that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things, and, and actually, we'll get to the Kansas, to the other side of the ball here in just a minute, but, um, you know, it, it is one of those things, like, this, I, I, I help co-host the, the 1012 podcast um, on, on Mondays, and we were talking about the, you know, the, the, the Big 12 race, and the thing that I'm worried about, if I'm a Kansas State fan, is that, like, they, that offense really needs to get going in these next couple games for me to feel like they are going to be able to be competitive in those games against Oklahoma State and Iowa State, because, Despite how good their their defense seems to have been, I don't think that they've really played an offense that is a juggernaut, you know, that is going to be able to put up points like in Iowa State or even potentially in Oklahoma State, other than against Oklahoma. And, you know, we saw how well that went for, you know, the first three quarters of that game. So, like, I would be worried if if Kansas State isn't able to put up a bunch of points, you know, against Kansas and then this West Virginia game coming up. So, like, I, I almost feel like there's a bunch of pressure on this game, not because there's a worry about you know, Kansas State losing this game, but that offense really needs to start kicking it into high gear now if they're going to be able to put up, you know, the performances that they need to in those next few games when they finally get up against the other contenders for the Big 12. So, um, all right, I, I do want to go ahead and switch over to the other side of the ball here so we can talk about this, you know, this, this Kansas State defense. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on, on the Rough Talk podcast. And we're back. All right, so... We've, we've talked about the Kansas State offense um, and kind of the, the KU defense on the flip side there. Now I want to switch over to the Kansas State defense because it seems like this is what's really been driving this team. Um, you know, they, they, they really stepped up big against Oklahoma, and then from there they've been fairly good at shutting down their opponents. You know, I mean, a, a team like Texas Tech, right after they went ahead and, you know, hung like 60 points almost on Texas, um, you know, K-State was able to hold them to only 21 points. They held TCU to 14 points. Now, both of those offenses seem to have some issues with Texas Tech dealing with quarterback issues after Bowman got hurt again, uh, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was actually in the K-State game where that happened. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I think Columbia's yeah. a better quarterback for, for Tech. No, no, I, I actually agree, uh, but he's like most of those quarterbacks that don't really have a lot of experience where it's going to take him some time to kind of grow into that role. Um, but, but I definitely do think, like, it's one of those things, this, this defense has really kind of stepped up, especially against some offenses that you potentially could think we're going to kind of run away with it. This Kansas offense is definitely not that. But what I am curious is, what is the strength of this Kansas State defense? Where do they make the most havoc for, for opposing offenses? Uh, the D-line has got to be hands down the strength of this team. White Hubert's probably their, the best player on the team. Um, you've got, you know, Jalen Pickle to help him out there, uh, Justin Hughes. They've got a, a really good defensive line. Definitely hands down the, uh, the, the bright spot of that defense. Um, and I, I don't want to go back to the offense, but I would like to point out that you go back to the TCU game last week, okay? They had a pick six on defense, and Will Howard had an 80-yard run or something like that to get him set, set up in the red zone. If you, if you take out those two plays, K-State probably scores seven points against, you know, TCU. So you're totally right there that <laughs> the defense is going to have to do all they can to, you know, help them win this game or any game in the Big 12 when they're going up against that juggernaut offense. But, you know, the, the D-line is very solid. 
Um, the, you know, the linebackers are, are doing their job. So are the safeties. So are the cornerbacks. But the D line has definitely been uh, the bright spot for that D. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little disappointed because I was hoping that you were going to say it was the linebacker core because that's where most of their <laughs> defensive stats seem to be coming from. And of course, that's the biggest problem that Kansas has is their offensive line. <laughs> so, like, I was hoping there'd be a little <laughs> bit of a break for whoever the quarterback is not going to have you know defensive linemen in their face. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. Um, so, so you mentioned a few guys on that defensive line. It, I mean, where where would the weakness of this defense be then? Like, where could Kansas try to attack them? Or if they're going to have any kind of success, like, where is that going to come on the field for them? Well, you know, I'm not too, you know, big on the schematics, but I think you know, throwing the deep ball, airing it out and try to make something happen. I, I, we saw, um, I mean, obviously without Puka, you're, you're not going to have a, one of your main backs in there, but uh, – you know, I think and this is just speculation, right? You know, could be totally wrong, but, you know, you've got a pretty weak offensive line with Kansas K-State. You, you're, you're confident in your defensive line. I think you blitz, you know, you, you rush the, you know, the four there on the line, and then you bring in a couple two. You try to get to Kendrick. You just give him, you know, heck for 60 minutes in football, right? Try to do as much as you can to just sack him, disrupt him, you know, all this and that. You got to just air it out if you're Kansas. It's just pure speculation, but K State, I think it'd be a smart idea if they just go ahead and and and, and bring pressure every play. So I mean that. I mean I, I we kind of saw it against against West Virginia. I don't know what they can do. I, I mean it's, it's a tough. You know, with that offense, it is tough. It really is. But uh, airing it out, I guess, would kind of be my my wild card answer, so to speak. So, so, I mean, looking at what I've seen from K-State, though, it seems like when they're getting pressure, they don't have a defensive line like an Oklahoma State or West Virginia where they can rush three or rush four and get consistent pressure. It seems like when they're getting most of their pressure, you know, they're using the line to kind of clog stuff up and then linebackers are the ones getting pressures or, you know, kind of vice versa. They have to bring extra guys in order to be able to get out. Yeah. I mean, is, is that really the case or am I just kind of picking stuff that seems to help me out? <laughs> I'd say that's a fair statement. Um, I okay. like I said, Hubert, so, I think is one of the best, but you're you're not wrong on that. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess my question is like, it, it doesn't seem to me like the West Virginia or the Oklahoma State, you know, game plan would potentially work because the problem that Kansas had there was it only took three or four guys to get pressure on Kendrick, and so they had a full group of people covering for any passes or linebackers who were able to get out on the edges when they were trying to just toss it out and, you know, and like run a sweep or something like that. It sounds yeah. like Kansas state is going to have to use more of those linebackers to help get pressure, which could potentially open up some holes in the mid game, in the mid passing game, you know, open up some opportunities. How, how much of a worry is there that, you know, if they try to pressure too much, that Kansas is going to be able to get those quick hitters to guys like Kwame Lasseter, you know uh, I mean, Andrew Parchment, Stefan Robinson, they have some really good wide receivers. They just have not been able to get it to them because of the combination of an offensive line that can't stop, you know, a regular defensive line from just getting a ton of pressure and then like finding open holes. Like if, if they have to bring a bunch of extra guys to make sure they get that pressure, consistently, then those wide receivers from finding holes starting to get big. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I cut out for a second. No, no, that's right. I, you got something, something exciting going on in the background there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yell at, yell at them. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, my worry if I'm if I'm a, a K State fan is you know you can't really use the the schematic that West Virginia and Oklahoma State did because they have to use those extra guys. And Kansas does have some very talented wide receivers. Um, so like, how much concern is there that if you send a bunch of guys to get consistent pressure, that you're going to run into a situation where there's now holes in the mid range passing game for them to actually go ahead and you know start getting the ball to those wide receivers. Yeah, I think a lot of that will be on Les Miles and um, adjusting and, and seeing what K-State does and, and, scheme, and seeing, you know, what schemes they come up, come up with on defense. Um, you, you know, if K-State's blitzing, then you've got to find, you know, the, the mid-range, you know, passes. If, if they're not, if they're backing off, then, you know, maybe try to set up the run game. Try to establish that early on. But you've got to adapt and adjust. Um, if you're less miles, I, you know, your, your take, I agree that, you know, um, it, it might take maybe five or six, you know, blitzers, so to say, to, to come out and, and really uh, make a play on the quarterback. But, um, you know, if you're Kansas state though, on the other side, you, you've got to try to win that battle right there in the trenches and, and let your linebackers kind of sit back. So I think the first uh, drive or two and don't go back to the West Virginia game because the first, you know, 10 points of that game didn't tell you the whole story. But I think that the first couple drives of this game really could tell the story um, as to who's going to, to have success in, in this game. Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see how, how Kansas State attacks Kansas and how Kansas reacts to it. I mean, I, I don't think that this is as open and shut as some of the other ones because, you know, kind of like we've talked about, while the defensive line is probably the strength of this Kansas State defense, it's not so overly dominant that there aren't going to be holes elsewhere for them to take advantage of. And, you know, I'm also interested to see after having seen, you know, two really good, you know, blitzing attacks from defensive linemen in the last, you know, two games that they had, what have they actually learned? What has Brent Dearman learned about ways to get the ball out? Um, I also don't know that Kendrick is actually going to be the starter in this game. He, he played so bad mm-hmm. in that last game, and, and it wasn't just, you know, guys in his face. There was very, very bad decision-making all around, it seemed, even when he had, you know, three or four seconds or rolled out and was looking for yeah. guys. And so, like, I think if, if either McVitie or Jalen Daniels is healthy, you roll with one of those two, and Kendrick goes back to being the backup. Um, so, like, I'll be really interested to kind of see who actually gets to start. Unfortunately, Les Miles has kind of hinted that they're thinking about playing multiple quarterbacks, which is probably the worst thing that I – could ever hear, you know, <laughs> to the game. So um, I'm not really sure what to expect from this Kansas offense. And like you said, now that now that Puka Williams is gone, like Belton Gardner is a similar sort of back to Puka. So I don't know if they're going to lose that much other than, the, you know, he maybe won't be as fresh as, you know, being able to rotate both of those guys in. But they didn't really have them both on the field together at the same time very often past that first game against Coastal Carolina. So I'm not like, I'm not really sure that they lose too much from what they usually try to do. It's just going to be interesting to see how they get all that worked out, where they kind of try to plug holes. The, I mean, the main play, part where you're losing Puka moving forward is on kick returns um, and, and the punt oh, return. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see kind of where they fill in there. But they do have some guys that have some speed. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see like Andrew Parchment back there, um, you know, to, trying to get guys like that involved somehow. So I'll be interested to see what they do. I really, unfortunately, like, you know, we can, we can talk about predictions, but I'm not even really sure like what we would do. Like, I mean, I, I guess I'll go this direction. What do you think is going to be the X factor in this game? Is it going to be a particular player? Is it going to be a particular, you know, matchup or a position group? Like, what ultimately decides whether this is a blowout for Kansas State or if Kansas can keep it close or even somehow magically pull off an upset? 
biggest factor, I would say, either special teams, um, defensive inter- you know, turnovers, or um, you, know, you know stuff like that. The, the plays, the, the, the mistakes. I think uh, whoever makes the least amount of mistakes would be the X factor. I don't know necessarily if I could give a specific you know position or anything like that or a player. Um, you know, if, if KU wants to win, or either team wants to win this game. You know, take care of the football. You know, no fumbles, no interceptions, no muff punts, none of that stuff. Um, I, I honestly see this game being pretty close. Um, I, I think K-State does pick up a win, but, um, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, I think Howard struggles yet again on offense. Um, KU's, you know, you, you don't know, you know what you're going to get from them, but they had a few good games last year. I remember the Oklahoma game. Um, in Lawrence, and I, I believe it was Texas, where they actually should have won. I believe they only lost by like one point, right, to on a last-second field goal. So I mean, we, they've shown that they can, you know, be inconsistent uh, for the best and for the worst. But you never, you never know in the Big 12 what team you're going to get to show up. So um, I think the biggest X factor, though, is, is just those uh, mental mistakes, so to speak, and, and eliminating them uh, moving forward. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a big a big deal here. I I agree with you. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Like the, I think the last I saw, the line was twenty one and a half or something like that. Um, I don't know. It's been moving around so much. It could be it could be honestly <laughs> anything right now, and and I wouldn't be surprised by it. So, um, but you know, it's I mean it's one of those things where I'm just not really sure that Kansas State is going to be as effective as a lot of people seem to think. Like this Kansas defense isn't isn't phenomenal but it's not as bad i think as a lot of people are expecting the, the over under on this is only 48 and a half um mm-hmm. you know and and kansas state is actually favored by 19 and a half as of right now um so I, that, that that's actually come back down a little bit i do think that you know kansas could potentially keep this one close the question is going to be do they keep it close for the entire game you know and then cover or is it one of those sorts of things where they keep it close for you know for three quarter or for like three and a half quarters and then all of a sudden kansas state gets a couple big breaks for them at the end of the game and really kind of puts it away and wins by, you know, 17 to 20 points. I'm not really sure which one it's going to be. I do think that it's going to be a fairly low scoring game though, just because both of these offenses have serious problems. Both of these defenses are probably a little bit better than people give them credit for. Um, you know, I think like if I had to come up with a prediction right this minute and I'll, I'll have one out on, on our site over on rock chalk talk shortly um, before the game starts, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be something like, you know, it's, I, I would probably say something like, you know, 27 to to 10 for for Kansas State. Like, I, I do think that they get those scores at the end of the game and ultimately make it a three-score, you know, win there. But I think this game's going to be pretty close going into the fourth quarter, and, it, you know, Kansas is going to wear down like like they usually do because I don't know that the offense is going to give them any kind of support uh, to really be able to to keep the defense in this game for the entire game. Do you, do you have an idea, like, what, what you would predict for the score or anything like that? Yeah, I've, I've I've made my prediction here earlier on on Go Power Cat, uh, seventeen to three is what I'm rocking with. I think it's it's going to be low scoring. I'm with you on that. Um, That's not actually I, as I, crazy as, as you would think. <laughs> seventeen yeah, to three. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh huh. Um, I Ku. I, I think they're going to stay within striking distance. They're going to be one punch away. If you're less miles, you know you're going to be saying, "Hey guys, you know we are one play away from." getting right back into this game and having a chance to win, but I don't see them getting over the hump, but I see it being uh, an, an ugly game, um, a, a low-scoring game, as, as you heard when I said a 17-3, but I think K-State is able to just kind of control 
um, the, the game and, and, and not make those mistakes and, and pull out ahead. But I think it'll be close pretty much all, all throughout. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's also one of those things, like, in most of the games that Kansas have played this year, as long as they aren't turning the ball over leading directly to points, opponents are getting out to really slow starts. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was, like, three and nothing at halftime, you know, with, with yeah, Kansas yeah. State getting a field goal and that was it. Um, like, I would not be shocked by that at a, a single bit. And so I'm interested to see just how quick Kansas State can get out and get started in this game. Like, o- Oklahoma State was the only team that really got out quick on them that wasn't aided by a bunch of turnovers. Um, and that was because their offense, I think, is actually one of the better offenses in the Big 12. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to kind of see how all this works out. Um, but uh, all right. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining me tonight. Any other final thoughts about this game you want to leave with or, or about K-State in general? Oh, no, not really. I, we'll see if, if KU has some crazy type of cover they had last week on the road in Morgantown with Puka's kick yeah. return. But uh, should be a, should be a, I think it should be an OK game. I really do. I think it'll. If you enjoy the sport of football, you know, you enjoy kind of the, the grind it out schematics and all that, that sort of thing. I think that I think it'll be entertaining. I don't know if there's going to be a ton of flashy plays, but it should be some good football. I'd say this, this is going to feel like for the longest time, Big Ten football, where it's like hard nose, grinded out, super defensive affair. <laughs> um, I don't know that I find that as entertaining as some people, but it, at least you know, it keeps the game in doubt for longer than it, than it probably would if Kansas was in a normal mm-hmm. Big 12 this year. So um, it'll at least allow me to not be tearing my, you know, hair out completely while I'm trying to watch this game on Saturday. So, all right. Well, Ryan, where, where can the people find your work online? So, uh, yeah, on gopowercat.com. You can, you can check, check us all out, um, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. So um, if you, I, I highly doubt there's any you know, K-State fans here, but um, over on fog.net, you know, Scott Chasen does a good job with them as well for the 24 seven sports network, but you can follow me, um, on my Twitter at GPC Ryan G and then also at 10 of 12 podcast, um, pretty similar to what you and Philip do. Um, it's just another, yep. <laughs> another big 12 podcast out there for you to listen to. So, yeah, it's, it's actually kind of funny because that's originally how I found you as we, we were talking mm-hmm. over on the, the 12. Um, for for basketball actually and, and talking about yeah. all of the Big 12 at that point but yeah it's definitely you know it, it's nice to have a regular K-State guest um, you know I rotated through quite a few of them which was kind of a, a running gag for a little while but ultimately it's a lot <laughs> easier I think to, to build a rapport with someone that you can talk to and kind of know how to, how to how to jump through these interviews and kind of get to the important points so I, I really appreciate you coming on and thank Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go, go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast, and you can subscribe to us there so you get every episode. Any comments, or if rating you would be great. Five stars and nice comments would absolutely love that. If for whatever reason you're not able to, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring this podcast to you to get you all the information you need in, in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. The best way to do that right now is my personal Twitter at andymitch 12 um, You can just send me a DM there or whatever. Also, because we're on the Anchor Network, you can actually leave us a voicemail so that your voice can be heard on the podcast. You can you know, ask us a question. You can leave comments. You can get mad about a game and yell at the at the voicemail there so i so i can put that out on the podcast as well just go to anchor.fm slash rock dash chalk dash podcast slash message and you can leave us a message there and i'd be happy to get it on the podcast so 
but that will do it for us tonight. Ryan, again, thank you for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Talk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 